Hey everybody and welcome along to this week's edition of the Irish Golfer Podcast brought to you in association with KPMG. I'm your host Peter Finnan. Well this week's guest is a KPMG brand ambassador. She's undergone an amazing season last year where despite all the difficulties of COVID um, she became the first Irish woman to make the LPGA Tour Championships at the end of the season. So um, she obviously has a big year ahead of her with Olympics uh, into majors and just looking to kick on from a super rookie season, it's uh, Cavan's Leona Maguire. Leona, hi, how are you? Happy New Year, how are you? Happy New Year to you, yeah, all good, all good. Delighted to be back home, I'm sure. Yeah, it's been a bit of a bit of a crazy year, so um, I suppose any time you get to go home and back to your own bed is always a good thing, but uh, probably even a, a little bit more grateful to be back this year. You nearly didn't make it back as well, I see. Yeah, we had a bit of a bit of a stressful uh, few hours after we came off the course at Sunday at the CME, and um, I suppose, uh, one of the other Irish caddies that was supposed to we were all supposed to come back to Heathrow from Miami, and he was joking and can't wait to get on the flight, and we said, "Hang on a second, we might not be getting on this flight." And messages from Lisa saying, "Ring me as soon as you you finish," and mom and dad and all the then sold stuff over Twitter, and yeah, it was a stressful few hours trying to get us rerouted and. Uh, avoid London and um, so that we actually made it home for Christmas and that was like what two days before Christmas that it was a few hours you were panicking yeah absolutely it was one of those ones where it was it seemed like the perfect flight at the time getting out from Miami straight to London and London to Dublin looked great on paper we were delighted with ourselves for having it there was about probably 20 between players and caddies on that flight most of them going back to England so it was fine but there was there was two of us going back to Dublin so we had to sort of make alternative arrangements and got ourselves to New York, two different flights to New York. And then uh, then we got to got to New York and there were the Harringtons there waiting at the gate with us. <laughs> they were after coming from the um, the father and son event. At, like travel this year, like restrictions, the COVID uh, implications and stuff like that. It has been a nightmare. And have the LPGA sort of any plans that they've told you players about, about trying to get players vaccinated, I suppose, for early in the season to avoid the testing side of things as frequently or anything like that is there any plans of thought on that no I don't think so I mean LPG have told us to be prepared to I think they've their funding set aside for testing up until June they said at least um I we're not really expecting things to be all that different to our life to be all that different to this year for those first few months anyway I suppose as golfers and athletes we're all pretty young we're all pretty healthy we're not near the the top of the list for vaccines at the minute we're not on the front line we're not elderly we're not most of us don't have underlying conditions, so um, I don't know if the LPGA have secured any vaccines for us or, or what's the story with that. But um, yeah, fingers crossed, all starts starts moving quickly and everybody starts getting the vaccines and we can start getting people back out to events and sort of get back to a little bit more of normality. And on, I suppose, settling into tour like LPGA, but tour life last year. Um... You know, you, you kind of, you, it's the first year you've really, especially the tail end of the year, you were really out there on your own. Lisa wasn't traveling as much with you. I see it was your first birthday away from Lisa ever as well. Um, it, did it get tougher to be on the road on your own in that sort of way? Um, it was definitely a different year. Um, yeah, I mean, there was, Scotland was very different. Scotland was a complete bubble. You were in the hotel until your test came back and, 
because we were only there in our rooms for seven hours waiting for that test but that seven hours seemed like such a long time and it was the fact that you couldn't do things not necessarily that we would have been out and about walking around Edinburgh and Glasgow if we if we could have but when you were told you couldn't then it was sort of you got that itch to maybe want to go out and have dinner or see the sights and wherever we were and um, yeah like you said Lisa wasn't with me it was just me and my caddy Gary going from event to event and trying to keep that bubble as, as small as possible to limit exposure to anthem. We couldn't eat in restaurants. Um, we got the food to go. You'd either eat it in your room or a group of us would sit in the hotel lobby and eat it in the evenings or sometimes different events at different rooms. Some events at KPMG, the major, had, had dinner on in the evenings. So that was quite a nice change that everybody, we were there at the golf club pretty much all day, but we came back and had dinner and played cards or, or did whatever so that was that was almost like a treat week um yeah. in the in the grand scheme of the season and being away like being away from lisa like that is obviously is the first time in hawaii you're obviously really really close you grew up you do everything together but like before we suppose talk about last season a little bit before that of how you guys went kind of your not your separate ways but career paths changed slightly you know obviously it was was a tough for you to be so successful to sort of tail end your amateur career as well especially leading into the pro ranks go straight from Symmetra to LPGA and like Lisa settled into her life at modest last season already but like to see her struggle a little bit on the golf course like it, it had to have been tough for you looking at your sister that you share the same dreams with since you were little kids of trying to do the exact same thing yeah absolutely I mean um We've, we've grown up doing everything together, playing together, practicing together. And it, it was definitely hard to watch me, to watch Lisa sort of struggle, knowing that she was putting in the exact same effort and hard work as I was, but she wasn't getting the results I was getting and, and no real fault of her own. And I could have just as easily been in the same boat as her. And um, yeah, anytime I came off sort of the course at an event, I was always, my first thing was, well, how did Lisa get on today? Not necessarily where am I on the leaderboard or, did I do this or did I win or whatever it was? Did Lisa have a good day today? And did she did she get a few shots better or, or whatever it was? And um, I suppose that was the nice thing with being in that sort of team environment at Duke as well. Everybody was sort of there supporting everybody. And there was that team aspect of um, it, like you're playing for somebody else as well, not the whole focus being on me and her. And um, I suppose we've been compared our entire lives. This was the nature yeah. of being twins. Um, it's, it's the first, even my caddy Gary's noticed that even when I'm at events, it's, oh, how are you? How are you getting? How's Lisa doing? Where's she? What is she up to? It's it's just the it's the first question that the people always ask. And there's another set of twins on, on the LPGA right now and Kristen and Jenny and chat to them about it and they get the exact same thing. And one of them's on Symmetra and one's on LPGA and it's, where's Kristen? Where's Jenny this week? Sometimes they caddy for each other. And it's it's just the nature of, I think people do with twins is, um they naturally compare what they're doing and it's it's such an obvious comparison to make as well and um but it's nice to see her I suppose doing her own thing and um being happy with what she's doing and, and that her hard work and stuff is paying off now you really settled into it though you like have you surprised yourself a little I know it's always been an individual sport but have you surprised yourself a little with being away from everything and Lisa gone like in a different country on the LPGA you have a professional caddy on the bag this year as well. It's more like a job. It's more, it, you, have you surprised yourself as to how well you settled into it as quick? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not been entirely easy. I suppose I've been lucky that I've had a great support team around me the entire way. 
mom um, and dad, Lisa, Shane, my coach has been there from the beginning. Um, all the guys at Modest, like I've been, I've been very lucky. Yes, I've been there myself, but there's been a lot of people busy behind the scenes making my life as as easy as possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, there was definitely times when I throughout the season there was some of those long stretches when I was away for 12, 14 weeks and, and sitting at the four walls and even it wasn't the easiest thing to be doing. But at the same time, I'm in a fortunate position to be doing what I'm doing. And I suppose you're, you're reminded of that constantly when you hear of people getting sick or having COVID or in hospital or whatever it is. Um, and you, I think you just have to sort of be, uh, remember that when you're sort of have those moments of, of sort of going off. It's, I don't know what I'm, what I'm doing here, but um, yeah, I mean, I've always been quite independent, I suppose, even our college coach and Duke, Coach Brooks was big on that, making sure we were as independent as possible. Used to see him minimal times throughout the round and um, I'd usually see him on 17 or 18 and, and stuff like that. And I suppose that was great in, in college, having that sort of sense of independence, almost to a point where then switching over to having a professional caddy was a big adjustment for me because I wasn't used to having somebody there 24-7 on every shot and then kind of going well what what do I do? do do I ask him what club what's where's the wind what's the yardage all of this for things I was just used to tackle it myself without even sort of having a second thought about it and it sort of spills over to off the course is why I was getting at it like obviously in COVID restrictions like I say I speak to Shane Lowry and Shane has said to me he probably in 10 years on tour he's had room service three times that he likes to get out after he's gone from the golf course, he's his work done, get out, meet the lads, either caddies or a few lads have dinner out and stuff like that. That was kind of plugged out as well as Lisa sort of not there for the tail end of the season. And I'm just interested as to, I suppose, in the evening times, how do, how do you fill the boredom? Yeah, I mean, this year was definitely a lot different. Like the all the usual things that would be open, like gyms are going to, like when we were I suppose that was the thing when we were down in Australia say, at the start of the year, we were able to, in the evenings, like we went off and went to a zoo and got to pet koalas and kangaroos and stuff like that. Whereas for the second half of the season, there was, there was nothing like that. And there was new places that we went to, but you couldn't, couldn't see anything or do anything there. And um, yeah, we definitely had to try and make the most of it. There was a lot of cards played and um, then there was the Asian location of like going out for ice cream and bringing it back to the hotel was like, seemed like such a big deal, but um <laughs> Yeah, you just kind of had to make the most of it. And, and there was sort of groups of us that kind of stuck together, played our practice rounds together and um, had like got takeaway dinners together and stuff like that and um, sort of created our own little mini bubbles within that. And um, yeah, I tried to do my gym sessions wherever I could, phone home, see what was going on. I suppose for a few weeks there, I'd, I'd cabin to cheer on. So that was that was a nice distraction as well. And getting updates from dad on that and, and seeing sort of watching back the matches and stuff like that. So yeah, you just tried to try to occupy yourself with as, as much as you could. It was a serious achievement by Kevin. Yeah. I mean, I suppose the, I suppose anybody knows that I've, I've been a big supporter of Gavin <laughs> all the time. Uh, people slag me about it all the time, but um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to see people that you know, and, and you know that the, the hard work and effort that's going into and it gave the county such a lift as well. I think that was the thing. Everything, the news was always so negative for the last few months. It was nice that people had something to cheer for and root for. And there was sort of a great buzz around everybody. Even when I got home at Christmas, all the all the banners are still up. All the flags are still up. Our flags still out in the garden. And um, of all the like, congrats, lads. It, it, it wasn't a case of 
losing the semi-final wasn't a big thing. It was the achievement of winning the Ulster and getting that far. Um, I suppose brought hope back, which is is what everybody kind of needs right now. Yeah, and you spoke about the bubble, like in your own little bubble. And so, who would who would you pal around with out there on the LPGA? Like, who do you who would have been in your little mini bubble? Yeah, I mean, I suppose my bubble. It's it's a lot of the girls I played college golf with. Um, I was fortunate that I did play college golf out there, and I wasn't. It didn't really feel like a rookie season, I suppose, this year, because it was a lot of familiar faces. It was people like Emma Talley, Cheyenne Knight, and then some of the Aussies, Hannah Green, so the English girls, Bronte Law, George Hall, people like that. Yeah. Um, and we were playing a lot of practice rounds together and having lunch together. Um, Marine Delacour was another one. Um, some of the girls I played Symmetra with as well. So I kind of, I was lucky in the fact that I had the people I knew from college and junior golf and then the people I knew from Symmetra. So it wasn't, it wasn't a case of having to, to try and make friends this year yeah. um, and find people to do things with, which would have been very difficult, I suppose. And that was one thing the commissioner, I remember in the early Zoom calls, said to us. He said, if you're one of these people that love having room service and being by yourself, you're, gonna, you're not going to notice this year being any different. If you're one of those people that loves to be social, loves to do things well, you're in for a drastic shock this year. So I suppose it was a case of what I didn't know I didn't miss. Um, I wasn't used to doing too much things, so um, it, it wasn't too bad. But at the same time, it was nice to sort of have those people that we were all going through the same thing. We we're all in the same boat. Um, so we, we kind of did those things together. Does it feel like, I suppose, like your rookie season on the LPJ? I know you said it didn't feel like it was your rookie season like that, but like you've really hit the big leagues. That's, that's as big as it gets like for a career status wise, obviously you can work in your card, get into more events and stuff like that. But how big of a difference have you found the step up from Symmetra to um, say LET Symmetra events to LPGA, like in, in your own, like the surroundings event. I know we haven't had crowds this year, but does it feel a lot bigger? Um, I suppose it won't, it didn't feel as big, like you said, without the, we didn't have very many pro-ams this year. We didn't have very many, um, we didn't have any events really with crowds. Um, there was no, there was no massive media presence either. There was a, it was kind of a skeleton camera crew and media um, at all the events. And um, so I suppose the regular bells and whistles that would go with the LPGA tour were, were scaled back quite a bit this year. But yeah, I mean, you still have all the billboards around and um, the golf courses are probably that bit longer. Um, you have certain pin positions that you maybe wouldn't see on, on LET or Symmetra. Um, and yeah, it just has that little bit of a bigger feel. You know that there's going to be uh, probies on the range every week and, and all those sort of nice perks. There's, um, I suppose, you know, you're going to get breakfast and lunch at the golf course as well. Um, there's none of that in Symmetra. There usually is on LET, but um, yeah, I suppose it, everything's just sort of that little bit bigger, bit nicer. There was no courtesy cars, obviously, this year with COVID so COVID can eliminate all those sort of perks that maybe goes with LPJ but at the same time you know you're playing in something that bit bigger um, and yeah you have to get used to like one of the things is to get used to playing with a Japanese player you know there's going to be camera crew watching every single shot Yeah. sometimes they move sometimes they don't sometimes they're scurrying off to get to the next hole while you're still hitting and there's just things like that that you have to um, get used to that you wouldn't have had to dealt with um, otherwise and yeah, getting used to playing in those groups on the weekend, making cuts, working up the leaderboard, things like that. Overall, I suppose looking back on it now that you've had a full season under your belt, how would you, how would you grade your twenty twenty season on the course? Yeah, I mean it's a tricky one. Um, there was definitely some some big positives with like the the top five down in Australia, and um, 
day and A obviously was a highlight as well. Um, so I, yeah, I felt like I played quite well in the majors. And then um, obviously my putting was was something that I'd worked a lot on and my putting stats really improved. And it was consistent. I made a lot of cuts. Um, I generally had good weekends. The first two days weren't as maybe strong as I would have liked. So I guess it's, it's a case of maintaining that consistency, but just sort of improving everything that little bit to get those those finishes a bit higher up the leaderboard. You kind of talk it down a little bit. You were the first female Irish golfer to make the Tour Championships. That's pretty. That's a pretty unique thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I suppose at the start of the year, that was that was one of the goals was to try and qualify for for the majors and qualify for the Tour Championship at the end of the year. And um, we qualified for all the majors apart from US Open. We got we got close to US Open. We were one spot off US Open, so um, we got close. And yeah, to make the Tour Championship, you know, it's been a sort of a consistent year. Um, making the tour championship and um yeah it's, i suppose that's the event you want to you want to end up at the at the end of the year every year and um yeah just like to to finish up a bit higher next year i suppose there's always something to be improved <laughs> to be striving for no but like to break down you're like you're a front runner of lady golfers in ireland you know you've you've been trailblazing out in front there for years and doing things it's a massive achievement for you to do something like that and show the girl like we've so many uh, female golfers now over in the collegiate system in the States that are kind of following your footsteps and they can see your career progression. It must be such a big uh, sense of achievement for you to keep pushing on and keep pushing on, showing those girls that this is achievable, this is a taint, like you can get this if you just keep working hard at it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was, that was the big thing with the 20 by 20 campaign was sort of giving visibility to it and, and showing people it could be done. And um, and I suppose, as opposed to just paying lip service to it and telling people it can be done, it's it sort of has a bit more gravity to it if you actually go and do it yourself. And um, myself and Stephanie getting on the LPGA that's shown, yeah, an Irish girl can do it. Okay, an Irish girl can play in a major, can play in the Tour Championship. All these, all these different boxes, I suppose that that we're we're checking off. And um, there's still there's still a lot, lot yeah. of boxes left there. But um, that's a good thing. We're always sort of working our way towards that. And it's nice to see all the girls coming up through the ranks. And um, I suppose there was there was sort of the misconception there for a while that people went to the States to college and got worse. Um, and I'd like to think um, over the last few years, that sort of stigma has gone away and that, that people can see if they go over there and they work hard and um, they go to a good school and, and they make the most of it, that they can they can get better equally. They can get better if they, they want to stay here and do it that way either. There's, so there's so many ways of doing it, but just sort of having that that sense of that people can do it um, no matter sort of what pathway they choose to do it. It's just what's right for them. And the next wave, I suppose what, what interested me a little on the sort of participation side of things I've seen, obviously Gulf Ireland came into activation a few weeks ago, the start of the year and looking at the participation numbers, like they have 190,000 registered men, but only 35,000 registered ladies with the new union i i found that do you find that number a bit of a surprise that it's so low thirty-five thousand like that yeah i mean it's it's a little bit disappointing you'd like to you'd like to see it a lot harder higher than that and um i suppose we definitely have sort of that wave of that girls take up golf they give it up and then they retake it up again um and they, they sort of get lost in the wilderness there for for maybe five ten maybe even 15 years and they take it up again either retirement or, or something triggers them to take it up again and um, I know I've spoken to a lot of people 
recently about like other sports people that are starting to get into golf now and like get hooked and um it's it's nice to see that them sort of encouraging it that it's not golf doesn't have this sort of stigma of being a stuffy old person sport for just uh and suppose that idea of, of golf co- golf clubs being that sort of strict on the dress codes and that it's it's very rule oriented and stuff like that that sort of turns people away a little bit and um yeah it it's nice to see people sort of taking up the game in that but it would we still have a long way to go of um sort of getting those retention rates up i think yeah and getting just younger girls involved and making the golf club a little bit more welcoming yeah absolutely i think i think young kids have they've so many options of sports to play these days and if it's football or camogie or swimming or gymnastics or horse racing or athletics or whatever it is. And um, I suppose people see golf as a very time-consuming, expensive sport as well. And I think we just maybe need to help get golf a little bit more accessible. Um, and I suppose that was, that was the benefit maybe there in the summer when, when a lot of things were closed, golf courses were open and a lot of people took up golf because it was one of the few things you could actually do. Um, and it's, it's a pity, I suppose, that they've, they've been closed again. I suppose back to yourself on the LPGA. Back in May, when the tour froze everyone's category in sort of May this year and says, right, that's going to play through until 2021, you'd obviously had some good results before that. Did, did that sort of change the way you approached the rest of the season and gave you a free roll of the dice as such just to, I suppose, you're mentally a bit freer? Yeah, in a way it did. Um, I, suppose, I suppose it was a little disappointing that I had started the year well and I was kind of hoping to improve even my status and that kind of went out the window because it didn't really matter how well I played that I'd, I'd be starting this year back at, at where I stopped. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it didn't, to say this season didn't matter, um, I suppose it's not really true. You're still trying to, to play as well as you possibly can and finish as high as you can in every single event. But um, yeah, there was no like card on the line, I suppose, in that regard, you weren't saying this putt is to keep my card or I need to get over X amount of money earned or but that's not really something I would have been thinking about anyway I think that's a very dangerous mentality to be in sort of looking over your shoulder and wondering what if and and stuff like that so but yeah it was nice that um, we sort of got a free run at it and I suppose that was there was a lot of uncertainties when they made that call and we didn't know where we'd be able to travel if we'd be able to travel how many events we get in so it was the logical choice to make at the time for to make sure that as many people were sort of looked after as possible. And I suppose a stat from the season that really stuck out, no surprise to me, I played with you earlier on in the year and I seen you draining some amount of putts, but your putting average this year, 28.69 across the season, number one in the putting average is an LPGA in your rookie season. Did, did that surprise you? Yeah, I suppose a little bit. I suppose it's, it's something me and Shane have been working on for a long time and um me always harping on. I had these chances. I had these chances. If I'd only hold a few more putts, and I'd only hold a few more putts, and so I can't go back with that anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I maybe didn't hit quite as many greens as I would have liked. So that stat is a little bit, uh, a little Dude. bit probably lower than it probably should have been. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's nice to know that you have put a lot of time into effort something, and, it, and it's paying off. And we had something click sort of at the, the end near the end of the year with my green reading that that helped a lot and it's nice to see those those putts going in and um, I just need to put a few more for birdie than than for par next year and I'll be laughing yeah and I suppose in your transition from Symmetra to LPGA when we spoke around this time last year 
one of the key objectives you had was trying to improve that, I suppose, distance off the tee and trying to get the ball out there a little bit more. Um, obviously, like you're still you're still getting it out there, like tour average stuff. But when you look at some of the girls at the really top end of the LPGA and how far they're hitting it now, I know, like I think your distance that's you're around one twenty in distance off the tee. Um, is that something you're still looking at an area that you know you can definitely improve in? And yeah, absolutely. I think there's always there's always gains to be made. Um, but I suppose you have to be realistic about it as well. I'm not going to be doing anything like Bryson DeChambeau's doing or anything like that. And you have to play to your strengths at the same time. I'm only I'm five foot five, so there's there's limits on it. I'm not I'm not an Anne Van Dam at, at six foot whatever and with the long levers that she has. And um, my my strength has always been on accuracy. Um, yes, I'll try and hit it as far as I can, but within limits, um, I'll like I hit the ball very straight off the tee and hit a lot of fairways and that sets me up with a lot of chances and you don't really want to be hitting it in the heavy rough and bunkers and OB and whatever, if, if even if it is 20 yards further up. So, um, yes, in the gym, obviously, in the off-season, trying to get a bit further, a bit faster um, and trying to improve everything. But I think one of the main stats to look at on the LPGAs is greens and reg. Um, and it's your say on Kim, your Daniel Kangs, your Lydia Coles, they're all, your NB Parks, they're, they're up there in those stats and, Putting in greens and reg seems to be the two most important stats on, on LPGA right now. Um, and, and you look at people like Inby Park, who hits it about the same as me, if not shorter, and she has eight majors and an Olympic gold medal and still is, is there, thereabouts every week. And um, there's more than one ways to do it. And your, your Anne Van Dams and your Rhea Fassies and your Bianca Pagdagannons, they got a lot of media coverage this year. Yeah. None of them have come close to winning an event. Um, so I think that says a lot on the LPJ. But on even on your approach play, you say how important that is. You're still 122nd ranking approach to the green. So is that that's obviously an area that you really want to try and look at and brush up. And that's just how do you go about that? Yeah, like, my irons about- good this year. My my I'd say my usually my irons have been a strength in my game, and they definitely weren't as good this year as they they could have been or should have been. Um, so that's that's something me and Shane have been been working on in the last few weeks trying to fine-tune them and that was that was one of my massive strengths in college I rarely missed a green and um, I get myself a lot of chances so it's just kind of getting back to that and and obviously the golf course are longer on on LPGA so probably in college I was going in with six seven eight irons whereas now it's a lot of nine woods and hybrids and five irons and six irons so it's just getting that sort of accuracy built up with those those longer clubs as well. In an ordinary year, you'd be prepping now for season start in Australia. And you've been quite vocal about that event. That tour stop has been one of your favourites. You'll obviously miss that this year. Yeah, it's a pity. Yeah, I'd like to be heading down to Melbourne now and um, getting getting down to the Vic Open and the Aussie Open and that. And um, I suppose I've been down there the last two years. It's somewhere that I've, I've played well and I also enjoy just being down there and, and the way life down there. So uh, hopefully we'll get back next year. But... Um, yeah, this year we'll be starting in starting in Florida instead and um, working our way through the States before we head to Asia. You had Sonia O'Sullivan following you around there last year. How did that come about? How did Yeah, I mean, I I I've I've met Sonia a few times over the years at different award ceremonies and things and um I think it was at the Irish Independent Awards in Crow Park last last Christmas and we were chatting and she was asking me when my season was starting and was it coming down to Australia and told her about the Vic Open and Barwon Heads and she's like oh that's 
it's only 20 minutes for me I'll, I'll cycle my bike over and and come watch and um I didn't really think much of it I thought she was just being polite <laughs> and whatever and then um a few days before the tournament started she she messaged me again and said are you, are you still playing is it on I saw some posters around for it so yeah yeah I am and whatever and then I think it was it was either Friday or Saturday afternoon I, I teed off on 10 and then we'd made the turn about I think it was the second hole I saw someone that looked like Sonia but it was it was windy so she was all wrapped up and everything I said to Gary my caddy and I was like I think I think that's Sonia Sullivan and he like kind of looked over and he was like nah, I'm not I'm not really sure and then walking around and then I was like no I think that's Sonia and then after we were done we were she stayed like the weather was not pleasant at all she stayed for the whole round and chatting to her afterwards and then she came back again on the Sunday and um, I suppose it's, it's nice when someone that's achieved as much as she has and is still takes the time to sort of have have that interest and, and make the effort to go out and support other Irish athletes um, up along the way. I know she, Annalise Murphy was down there training as well and racing and she went out to, to see her practice and stuff as well so it's it's a, it's sort of a testament to what, what she's like as a person as well um, that she's She's looking out for us coming up up the way, even if we aren't part of, of her sport. And have you kept in touch with her since? Yeah, I mean, she sent me messages for when I've done well and stuff. And um, her daughter Sophie was is head was heading to state uh, college in the states as well. So she was asking me a bit about um, college in the states, knowing that I'd been there, and she herself obviously went to Villanova and stuff as well. So um, yeah, I mean, she's she's a huge supporter of Irish athletes in general. Um, uh, doesn't really matter the sport or, or what's happening. She's, um, and that was that was the big thing she said to me about about 2020. It's you have events, you go and make the the absolute most of it. Doesn't matter what else is going on. Um, just just try and do your very best in in whatever's in front of you. I suppose like it's apt. It's such a a great Irish Olympian. We're facing into Olympic year again. You obviously have some Olympic experience uh, behind you as well. But you're on record before saying you'd probably favor an Olympic gold medal over a major title every time. Would you still, would you still have that mindset going into an Olympic year? Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying no to any, any <laughs> tournament win, but um, yeah, I mean, the Olympics is the biggest sporting event in the world. It only comes around every four years. And um, I suppose everybody knows what Olympic medal is. They might know what the, the Evian is or, or, whatever the DNA or, or those measures, but everybody knows no matter what the sport, even if you're not into sports, you know what Olympic medal means. And um, to be that sort of, I suppose there's only three given out every, every four years. And um, yeah, it'd be nice to have one of them. And um, it's going to be a busy stretch coming up sort of June, July, August. There's a lot of majors with the Olympics thrown in there as well. So sort of big prep going into that. And it was funny that time when, when Sonia did come watch at the Vic Open, we were we were sort of chatting um after I signed my scorecard, went around and a little girl came up and, and asked for my autograph and it was it was almost a little embarrassing because I, I felt like Cinder, you don't realise who's standing beside me. You probably should be getting her autograph and picture first than um than mine and, and Sonia didn't really bat an eyelid at it. But um yeah, I mean I suppose Olympic Olympic uh, we don't have that many Olympic medalists, so I suppose we treat we treat ours like uh like how they should be treated, I suppose. And looking into the season, though, you obviously, like, just after your rookie season on the LPGA, you fit in really well. You have a hell of a lot more experience than you had back in Rio. Um, so it's something that you realistically can target that gold medal. It's something that you really can put it onto a, 
um, you know, a goal for next year and it's achievable. Yeah, I mean, I suppose the, the extra year doesn't do me any harm. I wasn't like some of the other athletes, some of the sports that were maybe hanging on for Tokyo. Tokyo was still very much sort of on the way up for me. And um, yeah, I think in 2016, I was just happy to be there. It was it was a massive deal to be there. You were a fan. I was kinda, yeah, I suppose I was more nearly a spectator than a fan than anything else going in sort of in awe of, of the Olympics and all the other events in the village and, and all the things that went with it, all the bells and whistles that went with the Olympics. Um, whereas I think this time it'll be be a little bit more treated as a regular tournament and making sure the prep is done right and, and all of that, um, as opposed to maybe getting a little bit more sidetracked by everything else that was going on around me. I like, did you, while you, while you were there then, did you, did you feel out of place like a golfer amongst all these really elite athletes and mixing in the Olympic village and looking at what everybody else is doing? Did it take a bit of getting used to the, like, I actually belong here type thing? Yeah, it was definitely, it was strange going from, because we were the, near the end. So we'd been watching, say, the swimming and the gymnastics on telly before we left. And then all of a sudden, whatever, a few days later, you were down in the village and some mobiles and the team walks by and you're in the sort of dining hall and Serena Williams is in there eating and it, it doesn't nearly seem real but um yeah I suppose that's that's just one of those things it's that's what makes that that event so special and um I suppose coming from college it seemed just like a massive version of college on a, on a much bigger scale sort of used to having all the the venues beside each other and all the athletes mingling with each other and for food and in the gym and on all the different um hanging out with each other at, at all the other events and different so in that regard it was it was quite similar to college it was just on a much bigger and um i guess more elite scale we've aside from the olympics obviously you mentioned there we've such a condensed major season on the lpga this year as well so you have the olympics squeezed in we have solheim cup coming up too so like setting your targets down for the year i know i'm aiming pretty high here and putting a bit of pressure on but you like when you're putting your targets down in a year like this with so much opportunity and you look at what you've achieved in your first year without winning, but like we have achieved an awful lot on the LPGA. How do you go about putting your year together and putting your goals and aspirations in a, a year like 2021? Yeah. I mean, I think you very much have to take every event as it comes. I don't think you can, you can't really get sidetracked or, or sort of distracted by those big shiny events like the Olympics and the majors and, potential Solheim Cups and things like that I suppose they're very much byproducts of playing well if I play if I play well I'll get into the majors and and stuff like that so there's there's things that need to be done first before I can worry about them and getting my irons good and um, wedge play sort of tuned in and maybe pick up a few extra yards and if I do all those things well then I suppose those majors and things like that will will look after themselves and work my way up up leaderboards and sort of people people talk about rankings and stuff like that and that was one thing whenever I was amateur number one I never focused on the rankings I I focused on the things that got me there but not on the actual end product itself and I suppose that's something that I'll be taking into next year as well just focus on the process yeah very much I think there's there's so many moving pieces um and there's there's a lot of time and energy goes into different things and in order and yeah I suppose you just have to sort of control those things we can control and then with with COVID thrown into the whole thing it, it adds another aspect so um yeah very much just working on those those basics and doing doing them really really well 
and then knowing that they'll, they'll add up to something bigger in the end. So how long are you, I suppose, is the first LPGA event doesn't come around till March time, I think, is it? Uh, February 22nd, the week of February 22nd, we start in, um, we have two events in Florida. So you have a bit of time between now and then. So like, are you kind of started already in your prep work for 2021, bit of gym work? Are you making equipment changes, working on things or looking at how do you go about that process over the next sort of month and a half? Yeah, we started already, started on the, pretty much straight after Christmas. I mean, um, took a few days around Christmas and um, took it easy, but yeah, I mean, this is this is a short off season for us. Um, usually, that we would have ended the season about a month earlier. Um, so yeah, a bit of work, starting work in the gym. Uh, I've been messing around with a few drivers, testing a few things out, and different clubs and different irons, and different shafts and stuff like that. That's that's this is really the time of year, the only time of year we get for messing around properly with stuff like that without worrying about tournaments and that. So um, yeah, really, this is where the the solid foundation is going to be built in these. I've got about eight weeks before the season starts. And then um, obviously there's time within the season to, to tinker around with a few things. But the, the main the main key work is is done now and um, try to get off to as fast a start as possible. I suppose that's the thing with the LPGA season. You do well at the start of the year. It opens up a lot of doors for, for the second half of the year rather than trying to play catch up as the season goes on. You seem excited looking into 2021. Are you like it, it, you're, you're enjoying it? Yeah, absolutely. I think getting that that schedule is is always nice, knowing where the events are, when they are, and I suppose the, the hardest thing is choosing what which events to leave out because you just you physically can't play them all. I think there's one stretch that has 19 events in a row, and you break it down. And you go, I want to play that one and that one and that one, and there's really not one in it that you want to skip. So, um, but you know you have to because just rest and recovery standpoint, you just. You just couldn't go 19 events in a row. And um, I suppose being technically I'm a rookie next year. So um, there's still a lot of golf courses I haven't seen. There's some new countries to go to as well. And hopefully get to Hawaii for the first time and Canada. And um, hopefully we'll get Asia in this year. So there's a, there's a lot of new places to go, new golf courses to see and, and all of that. So trying to fit as many of them in as possible. And, and at the same time, go back to all the same places where I enjoy playing this year. So um yeah, a lot of lot of exciting things ahead, and hopefully it it all sort of goes to plan this year. And looking into twenty twenty one, final question then: would, if we were to pick one tournament, if you were to hang your hat on one tournament, to everyone that's listening, and say, "Watch out for me in this tournament," like the golf course, I've seen it last year. I think I'll go well at that. What what tournament would you pick out as your favorite tour stop from last year? Uh, it's a million dollar question, isn't it? Um, and you've no Vic open either, so. Yeah, I was going to say Australia's gone <laughs> off that too. Um, I'm looking back, forward to going back to Evian. Um, Shoprite is, I mean, Shoprite was my first pro start. I'll always, I think, I'll always enjoy going back to to Shoprite. Um, it's, I think, it's the week after US Open. Um, so I don't know yet, obviously, whether I'm in US Open or not. But um, that's always one I enjoy going to. Portland was nice this year as well. It's, yeah, it's. I mean. It's it's hard to pick between between any of them, but um, we're gonna have some really good major stops this year. I think are gonna be really nice. Um, Atlanta Athletic Club for the KPMG and the Olympic Club for US Open. Some some big big venues as well, and and Carnoustie, British Open for Carnoustie is gonna be really nice. Played a British Am there, and um, really looking forward to, to going back there. And whatever the wind, whether it's gonna be Carnoustie to us or Carnoustie, we'll we'll have to see. <laughs> 
So I asked you to pick one. You've given me six tour wins. Yeah. So you're going to win six times exactly. next year. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. <laughs> now, listen, Leona McGuire, it's always an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. Uh, hope you have a real happy new year. Say hello to Lisa and uh, family as well. And we look forward to keeping tabs in your progress next year. Nice, Well, I hope you enjoyed that edition of the pod. As always, Keep in touch with the latest Irish golf news on irishgolfer.ie. We've obviously got the Abu Dhabi Golf Championships coming up this weekend with uh, Shane Lowry, Porrick Harrington, Paul Dunn, and Cormac Sharvin, I think, teeing it up this week. So uh, stay in touch every day with the latest Irish golf news on there. There's plenty of equipment, uh, new reviews, and uh, releases out over the next few weeks too. So uh, it'll keep you in touch with everything that's happening in Irish golf. So um, you can either sign up online on irishgolfer.e or follow us on all of our social channels at irishgolfermag on Twitter, Facebook and Insta. As always, thanks again for tuning in and uh, yeah, hope to see you again soon. Thanks. <laughs>